What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Seth. This is episode 171. We'll be talking about Stargate Atlantis' episode, The Storm. The Storm! It's so stormy. Actually, it's not. It's quite a nice day out for me today. It was It was kind of stormy yesterday. Uh, no, not here. It was, it was super Oh, no, sunny. no, not yesterday. Two days ago. I'm sorry. Yeah. Two days ago. Yeah, it was... that's kind of gross. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not talking about that storm. We're talking about this storm. And friends, uh, the only way you can hear us talk about this storm is by relishing in the fact that we are an independent podcast. Don't know where I'm going with that. It doesn't matter. If you'd like to support the show, you could do that. <laughs> Buymeacoffee.com slash walking through. Brilliant name because they gave me a character limit. Um. But uh, the easiest way that you can get to it is at WTTS.space. Space! And you can click on the coffee cup in the bottom right corner, and you can buy us a coffee, or two, or three, or five. Or you can also sign up for what they call the membership, so you can give us coffee every month if you wish. Uh, This was a deliberate shift away from the Patreon format. This is a lot more generic, a lot more, um, uh, I don't know, freestyle? I don't know. It's less rigid. And that's what we kind of wanted to do. But we do have some things uh, on our wish list, uh, including the ability for you to get us to watch more of that terrible show. But uh, I'll, Infinity. I'll let Zach tell you more about that in a minute. Uh, if anybody in your life wants more excellent Stargate podcast content, uh, you can tell them that they can find our little show on Amazon Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts. And uh, my personal favorite podcast aggregators. Oh, I guess my personal favorite, whatever. You can also uh, listen to it on the website. Uh, we have a little player on our website as well. But point is, is that they can find us. Just uh, search for Walking Through the Stargate, and they'll be able to find us on all those spots. So, Brent, so yes. Brent, uh, yesterday, I was, uh-huh. a friend of mine uh, texted me and said, what's your podcast again? Because I have oh. a friend who <laughs> is interested in Stargate stuff. And I'm like, well, you can go to WTTS.space. <laughs> yeah. And then it's walking through the Stargate. And like, he's like, is it on Spotify? I'm like, yes, it's on Spotify. Yep. And you can go to the discords and all of that stuff. And so, you know, this is an example. Tell your friends and family yes. that you are listening to this podcast. And that yes. you love this. Assuming you love this podcast. That you I, love this podcast. Yeah, and it's a great an one. And then when your friends talk to their friends about other friends who listen to podcasts about Star, it's it's a giant pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's a giant pyramid scheme with us at the top. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not this, sure that's quite yeah. true. It also, I'm not sure how it translates to riches, but there you go. Well, yes, it, <laughs> it sure hasn't. <laughs> hey, it's taking care of some things that we wanted to take care of, like uh, Zach's computer from a while ago got paid off. Thanks so much, everybody, for that. Yes, that's good that. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's given us an excuse to uh, to to watch some interesting stuff and to rewatch some stuff and to uh, it's just been good. So thanks very much for everybody. And on support. a personal note, my favorite part of this whole project mm-hmm. is is that, you know, Brent, you know this, I know this, most of our listeners know, we don't live in the same place. Correct. So we don't get to see each other on a regular basis. No. And if it weren't for this podcast, it would unlikely unli- be uh, weeks, if not months, that we end up yeah. actually getting a chance to talk to each other. 
Yeah, but Brent is true. also one of my absolute bestest friends on the entire planet. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. You don't have to say the same thing because it's me. Oh, no. and I'm, I'm quite certain it's not true. No, no it is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zach, you are one of my best friends, too. This is the point. Yes. This is how we've been able to do it for so Absolutely. many years. Absolutely. Just about every week. Yeah. Um, and so this is stuff. a chance that uh, Brent and I get to talk to each other, which is awesome. That's right. I like that. That's right. That's good stuff. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to reach out and say, oh, man, you guys are great. And we really love like the the buddy podcast format. You guys do a great job with it. Keep doing the good work. How might they uh, reach out and let us know that? Well, if you want to uh, give us praise upon praise upon (laughs) praise (laughs) or prayers upon prayers upon (laughs) prayers, because we might need that, too. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com and uh, let us know and talk to us there and, and do all the fun things there. You can also send your predictions every week to walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Some, some people do that every week. Uh, yeah. Or you can go to the Facebooks, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and the Facebook group and hit the buttons and the, the I don't know. Facebook does weird things. Or you can it, go to our does. website, which is WTTS.space. Space! Or you can go to the Discords, which is the Discords. It's the Discords. It's, it's a complicated link, but you can find it. On WTTS.space. Space. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, as Brett talked about, uh, you can uh, also, if you want, buy us a coffee. Uh, yeah. And if you want to support us watching a non-canonical Stargate cartoon, uh, we watched through the Patreons the first, I think, eight or nine episodes. Something like that. Uh, and if you want us to watch the next two episodes, go to WTTS.space. Yep. Oh, space. Sorry. Space. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, boy. So, you know, and then and then uh, you hit the buy me a coffee, and then you do need to make sure that you go to the wish lists and yeah. click on the right link there, uh, yeah. so it gets tallied in the right place. I might. Uh, uh, no promises, but I might like directly link the wish list somewhere on the website. But not right now. Maybe later. All right. Well, Brent Brent may do things with the website which should make it even cooler than it already is. Maybe. Maybe. Don't hold your breath though. <gasps> no, don't. Do not. Do not hold your breath. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Oh boy. Uh well, with all of that, shall we yeah. dig into this particular storm? <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. All right. So Stargate Atlantis The Storm is directed by Martin Wood. This is Martin's second of six directing credits this season, or it's his third of seven if you count Rising Parts 1 and 2 as two different episodes. Uh-huh, yeah. So uh, do what you want to do with that. Uh, the story for this episode is by Jill Blottevogel. I Wow, okay. Uh, uh, you, this is her only writing and story credit um, for Stargate <laughs> okay. at all. Yeah. Uh, and I... Did not get a chance to look more information into about her career. But if you want, it, it's, it's there. Um, so, uh, the teleplay, however, uh, the story was by Jill. The teleplay is by Martin Garrow. Mm-hmm. And this is his second of six writing credits this season for Stargate Atlantis. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, we have several guest actors to speak of. Uh, we, of course, have Dr. Paul McGillian. Uh, and we have Paul McGillian coming in as Dr. Carson Beckett. <laughs> uh, he might be a doctor. I don't know. Maybe, but... Uh, he plays one on TV. He does play one on TV. We have David Nickel returning as Dr. Radek Zelenka. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say hello to Robert Davey, who plays Commander Acostas Kolya. Yeah. Now, when I went to 
Robert Davies IMDb page, he had a mini bio that was like 15 pages long. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, written by Verona King PR. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, suffice yeah, it to yeah. say, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Nah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, read a, long. I'll read some of it. Yes, um, okay. So he is an award-winning actor, screenwriter, director, producer, and jazz vocalist. Uh, so here's the quote. From his portrayal of the opera singing baddie in The Goonies. The Goonies! And, the, one, of the, and one of the most popular James Bond villains, Franz Sanchez, in License to Kill. To FBI Special Agent Big Johnson in Die Hard. Or Al Torres in Showgirls. To most recently, Leo Marx in The Iceman. Note, uh, The Iceman was a 2012 release? So it's been a little bit since yeah. this thing was updated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Robert Davey is one of the film industry's most recognized tough guys. Mm-hmm. He has also starred in the small screen in hit shows like Profiler, Stargate Atlantis, Criminal Minds, and CSI. With over 140 film and television credits, he has frightened us, romanced us, made us cry, or split our scenes laughing. He is also <laughs> one of the top vocalists of our day in interpreting the great American songbook. Thrilling audiences by playing top venues like the Venetian in Las Vegas, where he headlines or where he headlines or for 10,000 people at the Harry Chapin, uh, yeah, Harry Chapin Theater in East Meadow, Long Island, or the Orleans in Vegas, where he gave three sellout shows with Don Rickles. Mm-hmm. His debut album, Davy Sings Sinatra on the Road to Romance. Produced by Phil Ramone, shot to number six for more than several weeks on Billboard's jazz charts. Wow, that's kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, mo- most of what comes after this part in the, the mini bio is just kind of a, a elucidating of some of the things that are mentioned in the above. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I know, learned is that he actually originally trained as an opera singer until he damaged his voice. Oh. Uh, and, Interesting. Uh, yeah. And it is possible to damage your voice for something like opera and still be able to sing things like Sinatra. Yeah, and, and the like. gotcha. Um, now, his first IMDb credit came in the TV movie Contract on Cherry Street, where he played Mickey Sinardos uh, in 1977. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Uh, we also say hello again to Aaron Chambers, who plays Sora from the yep. Janai. Cole Meany is Cowan. Yep. Uh, we say hello to Ryan Robbins, who plays Layden Radim, mm-hmm. and I don't know which one he was. I don't know either. I don't know. So anyway, we're going to skip that. Uh, we do have Michael uh, Putonin, who plays Smeden. Okay. Uh, this is the uh, the smarmy guy from the place who's supposed to give us respite. And, oh, yeah, him. And, yep. and then doesn't. Uh, he's known for Reindeer Games, Stargate SG-1, and Atlantis. Uh, he hmm. played the character of Simeon in the second season episode Prisoners for SG-1. Oh, So I he don't was the guy Simeon. who was uh, blind and that Linnea yeah. uh, opened his eyes and he's like, ah, it's, it's the destroyer of worlds. And he runs off. I believe you. I just don't remember that part. Okay. No, that's fine. Yep. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in the TV series 21 Jump Street. Hey, 21 uh, Jump Street. In the episode Just Say No, Hi. In 1990, he played the character of Amorsky. <laughs> Just say no, hi. Okay. 
That's right. H-I-G-H. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't make it better. It doesn't. I'm assuming it's talking about a high school. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Um we have Don Ackerman who plays Doran. This is uh the apparently he's an Athosian. I didn't pick that up until uh I was reading through the synopsis. Um but he's the the Athosian drunk guy who has a GDO. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that gets beaten up and 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 made to serve the enemy. Yep. yep. Um here is a mini bio written by Don himself. Oh, this okay. is actually relatively short, so we'll actually go ahead and read that one. Don started his career playing tree number three. Ah, okay. Tree number three. He, John started his career playing tree number three in the wildly popular Charlie Brown's Christmas at the St. Pete's Elementary School in fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. You that, know that, yeah. this tree is a guy three. who's writing his own when he starts it like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. His young cre- career would be cut short having to bow out of the performance because of stage fright, getting sick only hours before the performance. Oh, uh, I see. Mm-hmm. He would make glorious returns to the stage with the local theater, local little theater productions, period. This allowed him mm-hmm. to get over the stage fright and lead him to many stages from Saskatoon to Toronto to Vancouver Saskatoon. to New York. I've been to Saskatoon. Well, through I, it. I, I, I have not. Yeah. Uh, Don has worked in the industry for over 20 years, studying and working with some of the greatest teachers and actors in the world. In New York City, Don attended HB Studios and studied with Carol Rosenfeld uh, and Uta Hagen. Don has expanded his career beyond the stage to various film and television projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so clearly he is a more off, mostly a stage guy than, than a film and TV guy, but he does have some TV credits. His first IMDb. Mm-hmm credit came way back in 1990 in the tv series neon writer in the episode confessions Mm -hmm. he plays joe but it was uncredited (laughs) he was there he was was just a joe he was just joe and then finally i want to highlight Corey monteith uh i'm not actually sure if i'm pronouncing his last name correctly Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey was born in 1982 and sadly he died in 2013. Mm, okay. Um, Ouch. Here is a mini bio by Jordan Hay. Corey Manteith was born on May 11, 1982 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada as Corey Allen Michael Monteith. He was an actor known for playing the singing jock Finn on the American TV show Glee. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember Glee? Did you ever watch that? I never watched Glee. Uh, so those of you who watch Glee would have recognized this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He was good singer and such. Uh, he was also in films such as Monte Carlo, 2011, and Final Destination back in 2000. Final Destination three in 2006. He died on July 13, 2013, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, it, he died of a, some sort of drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Uh, the coroner said it was a mixed drug toxicity involving heroin and alcohol. Yeah. Uh, he was a guy who battled drug addiction for most of his life. Um, and uh, it was uh, really a surprise in 2013, obviously, when yeah. this uh, barely 30-year-old uh, dies. Yeah. Um, uh, we will see him again in a future episode of SG-1. We'll see that, that oh. actor again. So he'll pop okay. up again. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in this little-known TV series called Stargate Atlantis. <laughs> and this episode kind of stuck in the middle of the first season called The Storm, uh-huh, where he plays uh-huh. this Janai <laughs> private way back in 2004. 
<laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so this is his uh, uh, IMDb debut. Uh, screen debut. That. Very and, good. Uh, later on, he'll he'll go to stardom. Uh, he had a real promising career. Uh, did a real good job uh, in Glee, um, and it was cut short. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, the original air date for uh, the storm was September 17, 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the same date as last week's uh, mid-season finale for SG-1. Oh, what was it last week? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. Uh, Endgame. Endgame. That's Endgame. what it is. Endgame. That's, of course. That's right. That's, so so if you want to know all about what was going on at this point in time, other than Endgame, uh, you can go to uh, last week's episode. Yep. Um, now, this episode aired... Um, I didn't actually write this before, I don't think. Uh, but this episode aired just one day after a hur after Hurricane Ivan made landfall in Alabama as a Category 5 storm. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, right after a giant hurricane hit Alabama, we have a story about a storm. That's oh, probably I see Category what you're 15. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. It was on its way from the Gulf of Mexico northeast to the Atlantic coast, and it spawned about 120 tornadoes. Yeah, wow. uh, in lots of different places, including Virginia, about half of them in Virginia. Mm. Um, I don't think Virginia normally gets tornadoes, so that's a pretty big deal. Mm -hmm. I could be completely mm -hmm. wrong on that, but anyway, uh, the Manarians, you know, Smeden and the Manarians were actually first mentioned in the episode Underground when we meet the Janai. Oh. Uh, Sergeant Bates, you know, at the end, he was like, Sergeant Bates was able to go and get an agreement for food, blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, so uh, they were actually able to do that with the Manarians, and so now we actually get to see those smarmy jerks. <laughs> well, at least just the one smarmy jerk. Just it might the not one be the smarmy whole jerk. That's exactly right. Um, and now in the category of this episode resembles, so oftentimes in IMDb and other plays, You'll see episodes and blah blah blah. Someone says this episode is got similarities and must be like this other episode from blah 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 and blah 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 mm -hmm. and blah. And and so there, this is no episode, no 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 different with that. So we have the plot of this episode has some similarities to that of Star <laughs> the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Invasive Procedures. It does kind of right. There's a storm there. Bad guys come in and take over hostage. Sure. Blah blah blah. Yeah. In which Colmini Cowan also appeared. Yeah. Okay. And then by and definition. Then, yeah. And then we have Tori Higginson, who plays Dr. Elizabeth Weir, co-starred in Stephen King's Storm of the Century, which contains <laughs> similar elements as this episode. Both take place during terrible storms, and each has a villain who takes the community hostage and claims he'll leave if they give him what he wants. Yep. So oh, oh, but, but wait, there's more. Oh, okay. Parts of this episode <laughs> and the following one resembles the movie Die Hard. Shepard hunts down the enemy one by huh? one in a closed building, just like John McClane. Oh, my gosh. Coincidentally, <laughs> Robert Davey appeared in Die Hard as well. Oh, my goodness. So yes. then what they're telling me is that everything is unoriginal and constantly a self-referential thing. And not only that, but actors have more than one role. And yes. sometimes in stories that are very similar. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's that blows my mind. I don't know if I can watch television ever again. Oh, well, so long as you keep watching this show, I guess it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I don't, I, every once in a while, I'll throw one of those in there. And then this, and I'm like, oh, no, I don't need to talk about that. Oh, I don't need. Oh. <laughs> what are people thinking? Like, right. There were right. so many of these things. I'm like, okay, I, <laughs> I had to toss them in there. <laughs> 
So, uh, oh, it's also like this other movie with another storm where wait, everybody's wait, wait. locked into this what? movie is like the day after tomorrow because oh. there's a really giant storm and people have to huh? deal with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and coincidentally, and, 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 and it's like Twister because because that's a storm and, and people are like, ah! yep, yep. Yeah. And 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 it's like 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 uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because oh, yeah. there are actors and there's a story. Oh yeah, and coincidentally, the gaffer was the person who actually recommended uh, the uh, catering company to the uh, associate of the producer who r- ran the show. Absolutely, you that you know the wow wow you know. I, I think there's some insider trading going on here. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. It's almost like it's an industry onto itself. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, this, this episode is titled The Storm. Uh, yeah. The Germans, the Czechs, the Hungarians. Uh, the Spanish, the Russians all call it the storm. Yeah. The Italians call it the hurricane. The Polish yeah. call it the cyclone. The French yeah. call it in the middle of the storm. Okay, sure. So there you go. You know, I was leading that up to nothing. <laughs> Sounds a lot like this episode. Ooh, ooh, did I say that? Sorry. Oh! Sorry. Snap. All right. Are you ready for the synopsis? Yeah, let's dive into this thing. All right. Previously on Star Trek, Stargate Atlantis. Star Trek, Star, Star Trek, Stargate Trek. Atlantis. <laughs> let me let me try that again. <laughs> Previously on Stargate Atlantis, the Janai could have been our friends, but now they don't like us. They want to build an atomic bomb and need our C four to do it, and not wholly successful incursion into a wraith ship led to the death of one of the Janai, and now his daughter Sora is really angry at Taylor mm-hmm. uh, and Cowan. Cowan, and now. Shepard and Taylor are flying to the mainland in the Puddle Jumper while chatting about Taylor's people, and they notice a really large storm. It spans the entire horizon and looks wow. really, really dangerous. So they investigate and discover that the storm covers nearly 20% of the planet. I will say, I have never seen a storm that covers 20% of this planet. No, that's very true. Um, and I can only imagine that if I did see a storm that covered 20% of this planet, it would look... Way more dangerous than anything else I've seen, and I've seen some pretty doozies. Yes, indeed. All right. All right. Anyway, back on Atlantis, the whole team discussed what's going on and what to do about it. The storm is actually two giant hurricanes that have merged together, which is kind of scary. Uh, This is a phenomenon that happens every 20 or 30 years on this planet. Unfortunately, without the ability to raise the shields or to submerge the city, the storm will certainly destroy Atlantis, and the residents of Atlantis are in some serious danger now. They will need to get back to the mainland and gather all of the Athosians and find a planet to evacuate to and look for possible ways to protect the city. And they have 12 hours to figure it all out. Now, Shepard and Ford travel off-world to find safety in the midst of the storm. They travel to Manaria, with whom they have a trading agreement. And they ask for a favor. Sweden, who is the leader of the Manarians, doesn't seem terribly excited to help the Atlanteans, but he does finally agree. Uh... After the conversation, however, and Ford and Shepard leave, Smeaton takes out a communication device and contacts relay station number two. He has a message for Cowan of the Janai. He has something to trade. Oh, no. 
something sinister is happening. Mm-hmm. Taylor returns to the mainland to help the rest of the Athosians do what they can to strengthen their settlement and, you know, batten down the hatches and all of that stuff before they evacuate. Dr. Beckett is there, originally there just simply to inoculate children, but he gets conscripted to help out. He's not too happy. Apparently, he's got nice shoes on. McKay and Zelenka <laughs> are arguing about different ways to potentially protect the city. Nacro generators will simply not provide near enough power to protect the city. Zelenka complains that McKay is not easy to work with, because that's true. Okay, a little bit later, Taylor, Ford, and Beckett are on the Lantian mainland. The winds are picking up, and the evacuation has begun. Unfortunately, there are some kids that are still hunting, and they haven't returned to the settlement, so they have no choice but to wait. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. In Atlanta, in Atlantis, McKay and Zelenka are still working on the problem, and they take a moment to complain that neither Canada nor the Czech Republic get very many hurricanes. And as they babble, they are struck by lightning. I, 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 mean, I mean, they are struck by an idea. Lightning! If they disconnected the lightning rod grounding stations that disperse the energy from lightning strikes harmlessly into the ocean and instead redirect that energy through the city hallways into the shield generators, then the storm itself will power the shield that protects the city. Huzzah! Mm -hmm. Huzzah! The team will need to keep a small group of people to stay behind in the storm to manage this wonderful, deadly idea. But if it works, everything will be just fine in the underground bunker of the Janai homeworld. Commander Acostas Kolya is training some young troops, including Sora. They are disturbed by a Janai private. Cowan wants to talk to Kolya immediately. Kolya meets with Cowan, who tells him to ready his strike force to invade Atlantis during the storm. They have an opportunity that they cannot miss. Kolya says his team isn't ready, but Cowan insists they go. We need this. I mean, I need this. It's not like Cowan has a personal grudge or anything here. you know. No, not at all. But uh, anyway, while in Maneria, Smeden is drinking moonshine with Doran, a young Athosian who is now very drunk. Yes. Doran discusses trading his farming skill set in exchange for a piece of Manarian land. And suddenly, Kolya and several Janai soldiers burst in and take Doran's GDO and forces him to reveal how it works with an implication that they cut his hand off, which is icky. Yes. Uh, in Atlantis, the expedi- expedition team has evacuated. Our main characters and a handful of guns, who will eventually die, are all that's left in Atlantis. McKay tells Weird to disconnect one of the four grounding stations. McKay is going to disconnect one of the other ones, and Shepard gets the task of running to the other side of the city to disconnect the last two, each of which are very, very far away. Yes. Weir and McKay have no difficulty doing that. Shepard gets to the first one, and he gets that one disconnected without too much difficulty. He turns and begins the journey to the final station. The storm now has really begun to pick up on the mainland. Beckett and Ford and Taylor are waiting for those last three Athosians to get back from hunting. And they finally arrive. Woohoo! And they get into the, the, the jumper, and they're ready to take off. But now, unfortunately, the storm is too bad for them to take off. Their best bet now is to stay in the jumper and wait the storm out. Oh no. Back on Atlantis, Kolya's strike team arrives using the stolen GDO. They gate in and convince the two guns that they are Athosian people who got injured while hanging out with the Minarians. Okay, let's just open the iris. What could possibly go wrong? The two guns that get killed immediately. That's what could go wrong by yep. Kolya. Now, Sora is surprised by the cold violence of her commander. 
But now the Jedi have control of the control center of Atlantis. Weir and McKay are captured. The Jedi want all of Atlantis's C4, all of their medical supplies, and a jumper. McKay is able to sneakily turn the radio on so that Shepard can hear what's going on, and so Shepard gets to work immediately. He takes the C4 and hides it. He arms himself to protect the city from this incursion. He is John McClane. It's just like Die Hard. They were right, Brent. No, I just exactly right. Sorry. Uh, Shepard <laughs> is able to tell Ford uh, and his team what is going on, but until the storm lets up, they can't help out. Ford is upset because he just doesn't want to sit there and do nothing, but that's what his character does. He sits that's, there and does that, nothing. That's so, so far. Half the season, he just he's just there. Yep, Hello. Yep. And now, when Kolya eventually discovers the C4 has been hidden, uh, so begins the communication via a radio between Kolya and Shepard. Blah, blah, blah. Stuff happens. <laughs> Uh, and I don't want to explain it anymore. There's too much. So let me sum up. <sighs> Shepard gets the final grounding station, but when he gets there, there are two Jedi soldiers there. Shepard easily dispatches them by going bang, 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 bang. And he's got one of those yep. cool, like, life science detector. They're not called life science detectors, but that's what they are. Anyway. Yes. Uh, and unfortunately, in the process of the weapons exchange, the grounding station controls were damaged. Oh, and that nuts. happened before Shepard was able to separate the grounding rod. And this is bad because without all four of them done, then, then the, the whole planet is going to explode. I mean, I mean, then the whole city is going to explode. <laughs> Shepard gets on the radio and explains to Kolya that his men are dead, the controls were damaged, which is bad, and that Kolya has lost all credibility with Shepard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Angered at the news... Kolya takes out his pistol and tells Shepard to say goodbye to Weir. But be, and he, he aims his gun at her. Shepard yeah. bargains, bargains for his life. You know, if you kill her, I'll sit the daughter destruct. Blah, blah, blah. Kolya is unfazed. Shepard says, I'll give you a puddle jumper. I'll fly it myself. The radio is silent. Shepard cries out, Kolya! Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To be continued. To be continued. All right, Brent. Yeah. The setup. Yeah. That's, that's what this episode, it's a setup. It, the, uh -huh, we don't uh -huh. get to see the end of the story yet. No, we don't. Not yet. What are you thinking? Uh-huh. Hey, uh, Zach, did you know that uh, in another movie, uh, the protagonist shouts up at the, shouts up, looks up at the sky and shouts the name of the, uh, his, his chief antagonist, and that, all, that character's name also began with a K? Really? This episode is exactly like Star Trek, uh, oh my gosh. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. The Wrath of Khan. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like it's not Voyage Home it's the other one it's not Search for Spock it's the other one Rathacon Undiscovered um, Country it's Undiscovered Country it's, it's Undiscovered Country it's exactly like that because there was a storm um, anyway uh, <laughs> somebody died in it it's just like this other so, movie here so why is this a freaking two-parter Zach <laughs> we did so much nothing for so long you, you can't tell me that you couldn't have a, 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 a you can't that you can't have a situation where there's some reason for everybody to evacuate the station. Fine. It's a storm. And like you suddenly have that strike team come on here. Like you can have that done in 10 minutes. Like you don't you can have that done in five minutes. You can have you don't have to have them go out and say, wow, that's a big storm. You, you can have them be like, you know, 
like you start the episode with with like emergency pro like you know alarms blazing what's going on we've picked up on our system sensors that there's a storm that's five times as whatever you know like la 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 la. that's really terrible no why can't we just raise the shields you dummy we don't have enough shields la 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 you know you can have all of that happen and like in the first minute or two and then you can have we have no other options but to evacuate you don't need like the whole side plot of I might have something for you. My name is Smeagol. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's something else. It's very Sweden. similar. Sweden. Did you know, Zach, that there is a movie with a slippery, slimy, backstabbing character whose name sounds almost exactly like Smeaton? It's like the Lord of the Rings. This is, yeah, I know. It's just the similarities just keep on happening. So, like, you could have that be done and have most everybody off, right? And then you have the Jedi show up. Like, that would be surprising. You'd have a minute of like, what the heck are they doing here? You could have that tension just suddenly just out of nowhere. Just like, what are you doing here? And you can then reveal how they did it. Like, you, you know, maybe even in bed, whatever. You could do all sorts of crazy stuff. But the point is, is that you can have this thing feel really tense, really fast. And now we're into the resolution part of it. Like, if the continuation is like, 43 minutes of just amazing television where it was impossible for them to tell that second part and the setup in one episode then i might cool my cool my jets a little bit but for right now it's like what is this like this is like i i don't believe that the Janai are a threat i don't they're 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 75 years behind technology of of no they're millennia of technology behind what our heroes have because they have ancient technology. Like, like they were there for an episode. You don't want to make enemies out of the Janai. Okay, Grandpa. Like, what's up with that? And then here they are. So, fine, I guess I'm supposed to think that these guys are like a threat of a kind. Sure, they they managed to to, to do all the stuff, and apparently he knows how to use a tab computer. That's pretty interesting. Um, but like. I, I didn't think they were that much of a threat then. I'm not convinced that they're that much of a threat now other than through sloppy storytelling. Like, I don't know. Should I be should I be scared that Elizabeth Weir's going to die next episode, Zach? Do you think? Hmm? It could did, happen. Did, I'm sure it could. But Joss Whedon isn't running this show. Oh. Yeah. So that's not happening. I don't know. I thought it was dumb. This is what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> our characters are doing the same thing that they've been doing this entire time right so weir is an excellent negotiator and that is being shown on display uh shepherd is a gritty uh never say die individual with a lot of resourcefulness that's being on display here um uh (laughs) come on not hewlett his last name is McKay. McKay McKay is uh, a a very intelligent but self-serving individual who is thinks much more highly of himself than than he should uh, but he's there and he's 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 actually able to be like, you know, solving problems. Oh, but let me rephrase that. He is showing glimmers of humility, which is wonderfully charming. Uh, that's very nice to see. And then we've got Taylor and Ford over there being Taylor and Ford over there doing nothing. <sighs> what? Why? What? I mean, great. And this was 40 something minutes of watching rainfall and the base getting taken over yeah. to be continued. I really am not. I, I, I don't think very highly of this story at all. So without belaboring that point, because I don't have much else to say other than what the heck is going on, I'll pitch it over to you because 
maybe you have some insights <laughs> that'll make me feel a little bit differently. But I, yeah, that's what I think so far. But what about you? What do you think of this episode? So, um, I think this is not near as bad a setup as you do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, you know, I remember. I- um, you know, this this is one of those moments when I got to see um, Shepard, Weir, and McKay, who are the primary storytellers, yeah, characters in this, uh, really flesh their characters out a little bit more. Uh, we saw a little bit, especially especially Shepard. Shepard's resourcefulness is really on display here, um, and and you know you do have that uh, uh, battle between. Um, between uh, him and Kolya, uh, you don't actually, yeah. you know, it's 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 that uh, uh, mind games that they're playing with each other, right? They're they're going back and forth there. Um, this was one of those episodes where, um, when I first watched it, I'm like, okay, I want to know what's going to happen next. How are they going to get out of this sticky spot? Yeah, uh, it wasn't it wasn't like the best of both worlds from Star Trek: The Next Generation season three going into right. season four. Um, uh, but it was enough to, you know, there, there's a, there's a situation here that, uh, that makes me want to, um, to tune in in three months to find out what happens next. Sure. Um, you know, I, I didn't look at it, especially critically at the time. Um, I was still a little bit suspect of Atlantis when I first watched this episode. Um, but this encouraged me to keep going to to see what was happening next. Um, I enjoyed seeing the Janai back as a villain. Um, I think that uh, Kolya makes a a better um, foil than Cowan. Yes. Um, and I, you know, so those are some of the things that I was thinking at the time. Uh, even now, uh, I, I don't think it's near as bad as as you. <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to be on my own little little island yelling well, you, at the sky. Who knows? Uh, you are right that there's a lot of nothing that happens in this episode. It's, yeah. It's, uh, this is the episode that sets everything up so that what happens next can happen. Um, it's been a while yeah. since I've seen the next episode, so I... Uh, don't recall, uh, at this point in time, how good the payoff is. Yeah. Um, I kind of remember enough to remember kind of how I felt, but I don't remember enough to say with certainty if it pays off well. But this episode here is one that sets things up. Um, uh, there's nothing, uh, storytelling wise that is fancy about this episode. Uh, the part that really makes me feel like what the heck is going on was the spot when Doran, uh, the Athosian kid, comes in. He's got the, the drunkenness. And, yeah. And they, uh, because that's not a character that I recognized from anything else before. No. Um, and there's nothing in there in the dialogue that actually tells us that he's Athosian other than he's got a GDO. Um, and even well, that. His, his oh, attire. Saying, what? He looks like an Athosian. He was wearing, he's, he was not, he, he can't be a, um, right? So So he's not from earth because he's not wearing the right clothes. That's basically it. Yeah. But I mean, that's the spot where, where I'm going to knock him points on. Sure. Because, um, you know, I, he, he's by his attire. We haven't established 
the clothes of the Athosians in such a way that that you look at his clothes and say, that's an Athosian, that's not some random person on some random planet. Although did, uh, I guess, I guess our puddle jumpers were getting the last of the Athosians from the mainland, right? Right. Yeah. So like we had seen, we only saw in the shot two puddle jumpers at one point in time, but you have to believe that there was a fleet of them there and they were bringing in, you know, taking all of the Athosians uh, through there. And there was one puddle jumper that stayed behind for the last three people. I did notice that they had uh, used some precious materials that they uh, undoubtedly would be hard hard pressed to get at, and also precious energy to three D print a J two for the front of their freaking boat. I didn't notice this. You can't tell me that was ancient. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm just salty. <laughs> you are salty. Um, you know, I think that um, I, I think that the synopsis that that I used to uh, kind of keep me focused as I wrote my synopsis was yes. too detailed and too long mm-hmm. um, and had way every little bitty type of thing that was in there that didn't need to be in there uh, for a synopsis. <laughs> like uh, like uh, sitting in jumper two, which you can tell by the J2 on the front of the, of the ship. Exactly. <laughs> um, so um, it, you know, there, there's not much, to this episode, other than the story that happened, um, I you know you get uh, you get more Zelenka. I always like Zelenka. He's a fun character. Sure. Yeah. Um, we we get a problem that they have to try to solve. Um, I don't know if the the science actually works, um, but it's the pseudoscience of it seems to make sense about. I mean, turning the yeah. grounding stations off and then sending that. Uh, energy into the the system that powers the shields to get the shields up to protect the city. You know, I mean, it it, it sounds suitably pseudoscience uh, that that works for a science fiction type of show like this. I'll buy it. So you know, Zach, uh, uh, there was another. Uh, it was similar to another show where lightning was used to power uh, power a device um, for uh, uh, for heroes to return back to where they needed to go to. Yes, I'm talking both about Back to the Future and Torment of Tantalus. Uh, well, yes, 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 yes. Well, that happens in both. So clearly this is <laughs> stealing from other people. This episode is downright theft. It's, it's, it's downright theft. <laughs> Irredeemable. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, it's, it's an episode that, you know, so. Hmm. I think it took too long to build. I think that 43 minutes to get to where we got was way too long. That's why I'm pitching these other ideas of getting to it. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not there. I don't think that the Janai are as, as crazy of a threat as I'm supposed to believe now. Granted, you know, you show me enough story with them being the big bads and then I might change my mind. Um, You know, I certainly did about Apophis all those years ago. Right. But like, like I just like, What? Why so, not have somebody that we've never seen before suddenly show up? And then you can th- then you've got yourself a mystery where that's that not only do you have this tension of the base just got taken over, but it's with somebody you've never seen before. How the heck did they do it? And then you can reveal things like they totally figured out a way to get a hold of somebody who was like, you know, an Athosian who happened to walk through. I don't know, like you know, they got a hold of the GDO some other way. You know what I'm saying? Like you could do all of that stuff. And now you've got. An entire story, which will still end 
with, you know, your protagonist shouting Khan into the sky, but you've done it in a way where the pressure has been just on 11 the entire time. Whereas on this one, it just kind of builds a bit and a bit and a little bit. And by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, is this thing over? Can we just get to the end, please? Oh, wait, no, it's going to be continued. Great. Okay. Wonderful. So uh, I don't think that that would work quite as well. Um, I think that the 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 Janai are a good villain for this story. Um, whether or not the Janai turn into or are a you know serious threat to uh, to uh, the Atlantis expedition in broad strokes is um, you know y- you have some validity there. But in this situation, they bring in a strike force of fifteen to twenty people. And they're dealing with two oh, uh, yeah. soldiers that get shot right away and killed. And then you've got Weir and McKay and Shepard. And that's it. And then and then maybe maybe you you know you've got three people stranded in Taylor and and Beckett and Ford who Okay. Spoiler alert, Brent, because you haven't <laughs> figured this out. They are gonna manage to get off the planet. On to Atlantis in the next episode. Uh, I, not only that, I'm pretty confident that Atlantis is not going to be scuttled. I'm also pretty confident that we are not going to die. And I'm also also confident that our heroes are going to retake the city. So not a spoiler. No. Um, so but so given given how things are right now and when you add the storm on top of it, the Janai, whether the the group of people called the Janai are actually a threat for the Atlanteans uh, it may be questionable. This particular group of Janai in this particular situation is threatening. And I will absolutely acknowledge that the character performance of Shepard, McKay, Weir, and Coleslaw were amazing. Like, I, I can't remember his actual name. Who's the bad guy's name? Coleslaw? Kolya. Cole, yeah, uh, his, his that performance was great. Like he's a really good bad guy. Like, yes, like, he is. I, that that isn't a knock on it at all. My knock is really these guys. Like you can't have him perform that in a way that is just as menacing through some other group of people. Like I, I get it. I seem to be really bagging on the Janai a lot. It's because I just don't believe it. I'm not. I, I, I like. I'm just not feeling it. You could do it differently, and you could still have the same desired impact but whatever i guess i have to believe that the janai are a big threat so here we are and yeah so like that performance was excellent the performances of three of our five main characters was excellent loved it um the interplay with um mckay and the other guy zelenka thank you zelenka was awesome uh watching that interplay was really cool and Again, like it might be that next week is just so good that I realize, ah, you had a 60 minute story on your hands and you couldn't trim that thing down. So that demanded a two parter. And so what you did is that you fluffed up the 20 minutes as best you could. And that's where this 43 minutes of of of, of slow development <laughs> takes place so that you can then have the payoff of next time where it's just bang, 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 you know, like it's just it just keeps coming like that's possible. but. I mean, hey, I, I calls them as I sees them. And yeah. for me, for now, it's like, well, I don't know. Okay. Well, ready for the next one, please. Um, 
I think that one of the things that you have picked up on is a reality of the first half of the first season of Atlantis, in mm-hmm. that um, there's clearly been a focus on Weir, McKay, and Shepard. Yeah. Uh, and those characters have been developed well. Uh, Taylor has been a character that has been developed okay. This isn't an episode that's developing her too much. Right. Uh, and Ford has gotten the shaft. None. Yeah. Um, that's something that I didn't pick up on as much the first time I watched it. Um, I wasn't looking for that. Sure. Uh, but as I watch it this time around, I am noticing that uh, it's, it's just, you know, obvious now this, this time around that uh, this is a character that has had nothing to do in this first half of the season. No, it's boring. And it's no fault of, of, of the actor. Whose no, name I it can't has remember. nothing to do with Rainbow Sun Franks. Thank you. Uh, yes. It, it's, it's just, uh, you know, when you don't have anything to work with, there's not much you can do about it. Well, and also the stuff that he has to work with has been so vanilla. It's like he's he's just a cookie cutter of a soldier, um, yeah. you know, in the good way. I mean, like like he's loyal, like you see that on display in this episode. Shocker. He uh, wants to feel like he's contributing to something, uh, something grand. And, w- you know, we saw that in the episode where everybody was hallucinating, like mm-hmm. his greatest fear was getting transferred to some, you know, some nowheresville like. But that's also consistent. There's nothing surprising about this. There's nothing. There's nothing going. Oh, interesting. Um, McKay got introduced as a jerk, and we're starting to get these like developments that I wasn't expecting, like this, like magnanimousness and humility. Uh, when a fellow scientist is saying, "Actually, we should do this for." Oh, you're right. I was getting. You know, like yeah, like that was nice. Um, you know, with Weir. It's uh, I don't know enough about inter, uh, you know, international diplomacy. So when she's able to under under extreme duress to be able to be making cogent arguments, while it's not like shocking, it's just like, yeah, OK, that I, I, I don't know enough about that. And then Shepard is gallant and he's he's stereotypically gallant, but he's also clever. And part of the surprise was that he has the ancient gene that he doesn't even know about. So there's just a natural built in like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. What other things are going to happen as a result of this? Like. Like these are all interesting things, but then you just got you just got Ford, just just being Ford. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Taylor's got stuff for her. Um, you yeah. know, she's she's split between two groups of people. Um, she has loyalties to both. She's trying to f- figure that out. Um, you know, we don't have a lot yet there with right. her. Um, but we've even gotten you know even that much gives her. Um, you know. You know, she's got that that ability to kind of sense the wraith a little bit. Yes. Um. So we've got pieces there. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have much with Ford right now. Nope. Um. So time will tell. Uh. With that story. Yeah. I won't. I won't. I won't say anything more about that. Yep. Yep. Um. So I don't really have much more to say about this episode. I, I've already yelled enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you have a. To be continued. Yeah. Um, and uh, you need to give it chevrons. Uh, it's time for chevrons. So how many chevrons are you going to give the storm? Yeah. All right. So I obviously didn't like it, um, but I don't think it's like trash. There's a part of the story that got advanced, obviously. I'm just, I'm just annoyed that it took so long to advance this, the little bit of story we got. And 
while I'm absolutely willing to bag on a couple of like, as we called it, lazy choices in, in phrasing that just kind of didn't seem to be necessary. It seemed to be filler almost. It wasn't that terrible. Uh, you know, like the, like the, it's not like the script was a disaster. It's not like what people were saying didn't make any sense. Like, you know, and then there was definitely some really interesting parts of uh, a well, uh, you know, well-played bad guy with some really, you know, uh, I, I, the word nefarious popped in my mind, but I'm actually not sure that's the best word. It's not like he's nefarious. It's just that he's he's excellent. He's excellent at what he wants to get done. And what he wants to get done is at. Polar, uh, just odds. It's just we are diametrically opposed to what he wants to have done, but he's really good at getting it done. Yep. And so um, that in itself is great. Uh, Watching some of the character development is great. Uh, Some of the interplay is great. Some of the other characters are ignored again. And so my real criticism is just the why did it take so long to tell the story? And you could have told it differently and had a wonder. I that's where I'm at. So for me, it's a three out of seven where it's. Now, I, I don't like this one, but it's I can tell that it's not a train wreck. And maybe after I watch the next episode, I will think more highly of this one. But at the moment, I would, I got bored and I kind of stayed bored. And every now and again, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. And I'm I'm ready for the next one, but not because I'm champing at the bit. I'm ready for the next one because it's like, OK, well, then tell me what you actually wanted to tell me already. <laughs> so let's watch that part. Right. Three out of seven for me. So what about you? Um. So I wasn't as bored. Yeah. Um. I I appreciate the Janai uh in this more than you. Yeah. Um. I know how it ends. How much does that affect this one? Because uh, I don't know if it does. Because I don't remember exactly. Uh, <laughs> other, other than the basics that you have already identified, because it's a story, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah. Um, I can sense that. Yeah. You know, it it's kind of sitting in that in that realm. Uh, it's it's better than meh. It yeah. it's it's better than eh. Uh, yeah. it's better than okay. It's 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 good. It 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 it's not it's not perfect. Um, actually, as I was just sitting here thinking, um, about comparing this to other um to other uh part ones of TV shows. Yeah, and I made the t- I mentioned Best of Both Worlds Part One. Yeah, um, which is arguably the best part one of a two-part television series uh ever made i would agree i um, mean it ends i mean come on that ending yeah um fire oh my gosh you just like what it, yeah then it ends but i was thinking about that episode yeah and what happens in that episode uh and i'm trying to see if uh, i was just thinking about how that episode and this episode relate to each other um and as I think about it, there it's not a fast episode, and this is not a fast episode. Um, there is a little bit more that happens in that well, a lot more than happens in that episode um, with with one of your main heroes being turned into a bad guy, yeah, um, and and all of that. But it does have that very. They have a pacing that's very similar, and I think that's that's where this one. Um, if I'm comparing it to Best of Both Worlds, that's where this one sags a bit. Yeah. Is that um, it, it has that kind of same pace and build, but it doesn't have that that singular twist uh, and jab of of your main character uh, in in Best of Both Worlds of Picard being turned into a Borg. Uh, it doesn't have that. 
to kind of really ratch up that difficulty. Um, and, and you can't, I mean, you, you know, you, you can't do uh, Best of Both Worlds in a different setting and make it work the same way. But that's where, but that's where, where it falls down a little bit for me. But it's still, I think, a good way to end the first half of the first season of Atlantis. So I'll give it a five. At, at the risk of, of going back into <laughs> our thoughts, um, I think that the critical difference between Best, Best of Both Worlds Part 1 and The Storm is that uh, a big portion of what the goal was in Best of Both Worlds was a way, find a way to rescue Picard. Like, that's kind of really, like, he's over there, and that's terrible, and oh my gosh, we are like, it's, it's just getting, it's bad, 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 bad. Um, but, the, but the gut punch was the decision to sacrifice Jean-Luc Picard. And theoretically, on the season break, that might have been the last we saw of Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard. Maybe, maybe so. You know, the showrunners might have said, we're killing this character off. Which would that have been was just, actually a real possibility. What? what? I don't feel the risk to Atlantis. I don't feel the risk to any of the main characters. And I don't like, I don't know if it's because I know there are several more seasons to happen. Like maybe if I watch it at the time, I'd be like, oh, wow. Are they, are they prepping? Like, is this a, is this, is a show a goner? Or maybe we thought it was about Atlantis, but it's about going to be about something else. You know, like I don't have any of that. Right. One of the things, um, one of the things that, uh, best of both worlds had that makes it so good is that uh, I don't remember off the top of my head who the the writer of that script was, right? But he was going, um, he he was leaving the writers' room at the end of season three, mm-hmm. uh, and so he wanted to put the the crew of Next Generation in this very first of uh, two part episodes ever in in Next Generation history uh, in a position where it was impossible for them to get out. Yes. Um, little did he know is that there was a little bit of a delay between season three and season four, and he decided to come back, and then he was tasked to getting them out of that box. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, smarty pants. So get him out. Um, was that Ronald Moore? Did it was he didn't it write wasn't that one, did Ronald? He? I don't think it was Ronald Moore. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Ronald Moore. It was. I think. I think it was Michael Pillar, but I could okay. be completely wrong. Um. Uh. But uh, Mike Ronald Moore was involved in. Next yep, generation, right. Michael Pillar. Time. Yep, yep. Um, uh, so this is an episode where it's the middle season of things, um, and uh, you know, I wonder. I, I, we've we've gone back. I'm, I wonder, and I can't really explain this to you, but I wonder if this is happening as a way of setting up other things. Huh. Yeah, that's that's too cryptic for me, but hopefully hopefully our listeners are like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Well, I'm I'm just thinking about You know, you could discuss this on Discord. We have a whole spoilers chat. That's true. That's true. Um our dear listeners We, we could also uh, pump up engagement to Discord. Like we that, could just say, Zach, go over to the, the channel here after we're done recording and then start voting this idea out there. <laughs> um So dear <laughs> listeners, uh go to the spoilers channel and say something anything that can remind me of what I'm trying to think about so that I can <laughs> tell you or talk to you about it without talking to Brett about it. Pretty small. And, and, and I'm hoping I don't forget between now and then. Now, somebody will say you were talking about how, how this episode sets up something else. And then they're going to start dropping hints. Like, yep, yep. like, do you mean right. for this or for that? And then you'll get it. Julie says I should write it down. <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> that's, that's a- way too reasonable. In any case, uh, Brent, <laughs> yes. we do have predictions. Yes, we sure do. All right. 
let, let, let's dig into predictions. Okay. Uh, I am on the Facebooks. Go for it. And we start with JD. Hi, JD. JD says, love, love, love this episode. It brings oh the Janai back. It brings Chief <laughs> O'Brien back. It brings us back to the stranger in a strange land motif. It somehow makes Shepard's hair both wet and spiky. It's uh-huh. all the things. <laughs> seven out of seven from everyone. What? <laughs> uh, JD, I think we're back to our old, uh, the, the old days. <laughs> yep. Yep. I... I I I I love your thoughts, JD. I do. Uh-huh. I don't share them, but I love them. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got Rowan next. Hi, Rowan. Rowan says a huge storm is bearing down on Atlantis. Why didn't the ancients have a weather alert system? How is this happening? It mm-hmm. doesn't matter because climate science is boring, according to McKay. <laughs> what matters is that Atlantis needs to be evacuated immediately. Where to? Hmm. Surely there must have been. Surely they must have made some friends in the Pegasus galaxy by now. Hey, what about the Minarians? You remember them? Footage not found. (laughs) (laughs) The Minarians don't seem interested in having house guests until Team Atlantis offered to owe them a really big favor. Oh, well, in that case, of course they can Oh, sure. I'll take that favor. Thank you. Wait, who is that guy talking to you? Are you telling me these societies that are technologically at least 50 years behind Earth somehow have interplanetary walkie-talkies? Yeah. Hmm. McKay is very stressed out about the storm. How is he supposed to work under these conditions? Don't you know he has almost he was almost struck by lightning once? Lightning, you say? <laughs> you mean natural storm energy that might be harnessed to power the city's shields? That lightning? They'll still need to evacuate, but McKay, Weir, and Shepard stay behind to put their plan into action. Unfortunately, Shepard has to run to the far ends of the station because the ancients didn't have any bikes or segways or even rollerblades. <laughs> As if this wasn't all bad enough, their good buddies, the Minarians, have sold Team Atlantis out to fun-loving scamps, the Janai. Commander uh-huh. Cold Warface... Kolya leads a team to plunder Atlantis for supplies while it's weak. With him, it, with him is Sora, who is such a badass, she doesn't even need to tie back her perfect, lustrous hair during right. high-stakes covert missions. Nope. Yep. The makeup was unblemished. Oh, yeah. They schemed their way through the Atlantis Stargate with a stolen IDC. Oh, no. Now that red shirt, now that, now that red shirt will ha- never have bacon again. i i did miss that travesty i'm so sorry to hear it weir and shepherd try to negotiate but kolya is not satisfied with a few band-aids and firecrackers anymore he wants atlantis unfortunately kolya's red shirts accidentally damaged the final grounding station before shepherd can disable it are you happy now nobody gets atlantis (laughs) hope you brought your swim trunks with you ah this is a tense and well-plotted episode setting up a lot of action for its second half. <laughs> Brent won't go higher than a six without knowing the payoff. Oh, golly. Zach will give it a six and a half. The good news is that Brent doesn't have to wait four months for the thrilling conclusion, as viewers did at the time. The bad news is that he does have to wait at least six weeks because five SG-1 episodes aired in between. Uh, well, no, dear folks, we are going to uh, we are going to just go straight to this episode, and then we'll hit yep. SG one. Uh, 
for that. So he has to wait seven days. We'll, we'll be nice to him. Um, this episode has an IMDb rating of 8.2, which is five chevrons, putting it in the top 25% of Stargate episodes overall. What? Y'all are crazy. All right, that's it. I, I, <laughs> I need to introduce I, I, you guys I, did, to did, better did, television is what did, I need to do. Did you, did you have a bagel this morning? No. See, there you go. That's the problem. I watched it last night and still felt this way. Oh, well, that's yeah. your second problem. No, I had time to think. <laughs> anyway, we have Kevin yeah. next. Hi, Kevin. Kevin says, hi, Zach. Hi, Brent. It's been a while since I watched this. It was better than I remembered. And this was my first time since it aired watching it by itself without immediately watching the next episode. While I was watching, I jotted down a few notes. Number one, mm-hmm. personally, I've never mistaken Rodney for Superman. Yeah, that's yeah, true. I don't uh, think anybody uh, has. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was established on screen. It was not. No. Wait, is he saying the GDOs require the ATA gene? That's the only thing I can think of to explain his hand needing to put in the code. Or maybe he just remembers the hand print. movement of the code and not so much the code itself. So there's a couple of things going on there. One, either A, he's lying. Right. Uh, two, um, it requires a fingerprint scanner of some variety. Um, and there is no three. That's all I had. <laughs> One and two. I hadn't even thought about the ATA gene. Um, and I would, yeah, anyway, eh, there you go. Those are my thoughts. Number three, what's the range of the average walkie-talkie? Apparently, Apparently interplanetary. as long as it is needed. It's a good thing Shepard can read ancient numbers. Number five. Yes. Kolya seems to be pretty upset with Shepard. He must be a Gemini. Ha ha. Uh, no, he's yeah. a Gemini. He's a Gemini. I'm going to predict a five from both hosts since nope. we are left on such a big cliffhanger. Zach. And as much as I want to see the conclusion to this episode, I guess we'll have to wait a few weeks. I'll see you then. Well, as I mentioned, we are going to go straight on to the I next week. And then, I don't know. We'll... <laughs> you just get, all right. Now I can start thinking about my, my thing. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did do that. Sorry. It's not like you didn't already know. Uh, it, 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 but, you know, we keep up the illusions. Oh, yes. All right. I'm sorry. I have broken <laughs> the illusions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Usually I don't know until I download the promo, but we typically download the promo. And then I forget. And then you uh, tell me, and I'm like, right. I was supposed to think about something all this time. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we have Jen next. Hi, Jen. Jen says, while on a little excursion with the puddle jumper, Taylor and Shepard involuntarily turn into the Atlantean weather forecast, discovering yes. the, the Atlantean weather forecast, comma. Discovering a huge storm building up and heading towards Atlantis. After alarming Weir and discussing their discovery, it becomes clear that the storm poses a grave danger to our crew and the city itself, as its shield is currently down without the sufficient en- without sufficient enough amount of energy available to power it up. Our Atlantis team is looking into their options, seeking hideout among their quote-unquote friends and trading partners, only to have their precarious situation revealed to the Jedi. By one of them. Ah! Yep. Oh, this is a great one. I ended up watching <laughs> both episodes, but I only take the first into consideration for my rating. Basically, okay. this is the second episode of all my Atlantis watch that I have thoroughly enjoyed. See, she's oh. watching it for the very first time, too. <sighs> I, was, I was able to let myself be absorbed by the story and came along for the ride willingly. The Janai comeback was, comeback was great and made for a powerful move. Unfortunately, it will teach our team the lesson that they are mostly on their own and be less trusting in the future. 
The action played up, played up until the last minute, and we are left with not knowing the what happened to Weir and John Shepard turning into John Rambo-esque version SGA edition. Sure. And there's where my criticism with the episode comes in. It turned into an action movie with John Shepard being the lead male role and almost stereotypical in it. However, this didn't tank my overall enjoyment. I was too tired from having too much work on my plate these past few weeks to care. Maybe that's why people <laughs> like action movies. <sighs> I can respect that last part there, Jen. Yes. Rating-wise, this is a 6.5 chevrons for me. Wow. Martin Zach will give this a higher rating than usual. Nope. Uh, it's a great mid-season finale with a Stargate typical cliffhanger. With the Janai returning, this could also have made a good season finale. It's hard to predict whether Brent will get hung up with, on some minor detail. If not, then he's going to be going for the six chevrons as well, since previous actions led to consequences. Zach is going to give it six and a half because he gives half chevrons. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Now, if this were actually season one ending, I probably would feel much more tense about it. Like mm. maybe they do kill off Weir. Maybe. Possible. Possible at season breaks. Yeah. We will find out. Uh-huh. Yeah, we sure will. I bet you a box of donuts that the so that the resolution to Weir having a gun pointed at her is going to be done within the first 45 seconds. Could be. Okay. Could be. I, I'm not going to answer that because I, I, of course. I don't remember. And, and it's I a bet. Wouldn't. And then if you win, you get donuts. And if I win, I get myself donuts. So, okay. So if, if the danger to Weir dissolves in the first 45 seconds of of new plot i'm not talking about ne- last time no i'm just talking about no, like, no 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 no. i understand like after yep. they go and now yep. 45 seconds yeah she say then then you're gonna buy yourself donuts and you win y- yes and and if it's not then i get to buy myself donuts because i win uh no i will buy you donuts next time i see you because i like donuts because because you could you could hoard them for yourself maybe i'll buy two boxes then but you know that's <laughs> That's the point. Donuts. Donuts. Okay. Uh, what do we have on the discords? Oh, the discords. Oh, that was that. That was it for Facebook. That was it for Facebook. Fachi books. Okay. On the discords, uh, we have just one. We got Elio. Hi, Elio. Hi, Elio. And he's real brief. It's all right. I like this one. Oh, man. I am all by myself over here. He says, I love this episode. Love Robert Duvalli- D- Davey since Goonies and Die Hard. I give it a seven. Brent and Zach will both give it a six. No, no, no. It was boring, you guys. This wasn't good. This was boring. Feeling, <laughs> feeling, feeling, feeling a, le- a little bit isolated. That's it. What we got for, uh, for the discords? <laughs> what about emails, Zach? <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, we have a couple emails. Uh, the first one comes from Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. Lydia Ann says, confession, I'm more like Lieutenant Ford than Dr. Beckett when it comes to driving in bad weather. Find me on Discord for stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a good first half of an action-packed two-parter. High stakes for our team and standard revenge motive for the villains. The dudes have the survival of their groups to consider, and the ladies are preoccupied with personal matters because sexism or something. Hmm. Koya hmm. asks a good question. Are our protagonists a better choice to occupy Atlantis because of a randomly occurring genetic mutation? i.e. the yeah. ATA gene. I also thought it was interesting that he implied that that's not uh that's not uh, uh the monopoly of our of, of of us. I thought that was kind of cool to be like, do you really think that you're closer to the ancients than we are? I'm like, hmm, hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Uh only time will tell if 
if uh, we discover um, Pegasus Galaxy residents uh, with an ATAG. So yeah. far, we have not apparently found anything like that. Correct. Uh, looking too closely, this is Lydia and continuing. Yep. Looking too closely at that question leads to some dark places. Mm. So we should probably just focus on the testosterone heavy action story. <laughs> Brent will give it five and Zach a five uh, and a half. No. Eh. All right. Everybody assumed I was going to like it. Yep. Uh, but we have nobody the, expects the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects. And next, the comfy chairs. <laughs> Finally, we have David. Hi, David. David has, we interrupt this Chevron encoding bias buffer for this urgent weather update. Mm-hmm. There's a storm coming for Atlantis. This is a Category 6 Chevron storm, and it's headed right for us. Oh, do you think I that's only a, have one like, complaint about this episode. As they are flying the jumper towards the mainland, they see this ginormous storm. The mainland is ahead of them, so is the storm, but the storm is headed for Atlantis, and it is headed for the mainland, too. If uh-huh. they are flying away from Atlantis, yet towards the mainland and the storm, <laughs> how could the storm... Do we have a map of the Atlantis planet? Never mind, it was does not matter. <laughs> nice big storm so big it can threaten everything no matter where it is and on top of that we get a sneaky sneak attack by the sneaky Janai. yeah the, did the Janai really capture atlantis stay tuned uh-huh <laughs> zach is going to give this a six and a half chevrons for the storm apocalypse and okay. brent is going to give this a six no storming chevrons for stormageddon could have been a seven but it's a cliffhanger Ah. Uh. No, it couldn't have been. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Am I going to have to write a teleplay to show you guys what this should have been? You know, if you want to, you are welcome to do that. I don't know if I'll ever get it done. Same thing as my grilled cheese sandwich recipe on the website. Yeah. I put it on Discord eventually. <laughs> That's true. You, you, well, it, it got coerced out of you. On That's Discord. true. Yes, that, that, yeah. That's right. Um, and then David concludes with, and now you two will have to wait four months for the next episode, like everyone else did when this episode first aired. No? You're going to watch nope. it when? Yeah, next week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, we had this conversation via texting uh, yesterday, in fact, about what we were going to watch when, and uh, uh, we made the decision that we'll watch uh, The Eye next week, um, just to conclude this cliffhanger. Um, and then we'll switch over to SG-1, and uh, I don't know, I haven't looked closely at our order of operations, but watch at least... We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll watch some. Um, I, I do know that the second half of SG-1 gets a little bit uh, complicated with a bunch of two-part episodes coming up, and most of those we'll actually watch as a single episode. Yep. Um, because they're not cliffhangers like mid-season cliffhangers like this one was. But what this does mean, Zach, yes, is that uh, the part of our podcast where we talk about what happened for a particular for a particular date when the when the episode aired, yep, it's going to switch over for a little bit, I guess, to Atlantis. Well, maybe not. Well, so there's like so there's there's a break, and so. So I'll be able to talk next week about what happened on that week of Atlantis. Yes. And then we'll have to like go back in time a little bit for SG-1 because that aired sooner and they had more episodes of that. Ah, but it'll be at a different point. So, but then so sooner or later, we're going to like get caught up again somehow. We'll have to figure it out and it might get messy. And, you know, it's, it's like a giant storm raining on us. It makes you know what, things actually, messy. 
it's more like uh, another plot device used in SG-1 where time has a bit of a weird property to it. And so we will have to figure out a way to have our gate address go through a sun flare at just the right speed that Spock calculates so that we can go back in time and save the whales. This is just like the voyage home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. Definitely. It's just like that. <laughs> All right, Brentley, Brentley. Yeah. The next episode that we it's will watch eye. next week is <laughs> The Eye. It's a Stargate Atlantis episode. Um, what's it about? All right. Next time on Stargate Atlantis. Our Atlantis friends are in a pickle. You see, you've got the Janai, and they've got a gun trained on one of our title characters. In fact, I think the first one that we see. No, second one we see. And that's terrible news. What's going to happen? We also have one of our other title characters, the very first one that you see, way at the other side of the city, with absolutely no way to disconnect a very vital thing where there's going to be lightning strikes and la la la, and it's shouting up at the sky, yelling the name of Kanunian Sung. But no. It's Sing. Oh, sorry. Anyway, what are they going to do? How will they get out of this pickle? They turn to the only resource that they can think of. They turn to a strange technology that has, is little understood in 2004. Barely used. They turn to something called podcasting. <gasps> Ooh. They turn to podcasting and they say, surely there is a solution in this little understood technology where, where bits of audio are recorded and distributed in a non-centralized fashion. How could we use this to our advantage? Ah, look at this. There seems to be a clue. There's a, there's a, there's, there's, there's a, uh, there's, there's a show from the future. You see, we, we came, we, ha- we, here we are again with the time, time problems with the future. It's called walking through the Stargate. Ah, oh, well, it'll tell us what to do. It's right there. It's in the title. It's in the name. It's going to tell us exactly what to do. We're going to walk through the star. And so they start listening. And then there's this person going on and on about bad television. What could possibly be good for that? What's good is that they're going to get a good TV show out of it. That's what. Because what they're going to do is they're going to get advice from the I, the Brent, the me. Indeed. That's what they're going to do. The I. Join us next time. Stargate Atlantis. The I. Hmm? The hmm? ego is going to come and fix the problem. <laughs> and as the saying goes, undoubtedly, I'm going to have a pretty big tumble here pretty soon. Ah, well... <laughs> Shall we watch the promo? Yeah. To find out what <laughs> is more likely to happen. Yeah, what is, what, what is more likely? <laughs> Zach, you're so kind. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I haven't actually seen the promo. So it's possible that yeah. David labeled it the eye, but yeah. actually made an Atlantis episode of something or yes. an SG-1 episode of something just to throw us off. Yes, this is true. It's possible. So, so this is more likely to happen than what you said, but but it, it we'll just have to watch and see. Anyway. We'll just have to see. Okay, here right. we go. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate Atlantis. Goya! Oh, Khan again. The struggle to reclaim Atlantis begins. Big waves. I am going to kill you. Oh, oh my. You okay. kill either one of us, and you don't get what you want. That's how important we are. Oh, oh, the the gun just went down! Is there any hope to be found as the storm rages? Uh, Okay, they fly in. Oh, reinforcements. Oh, that was the guy that I couldn't remember his name. Oh. The fate of Atlantis hangs in the balance. Okay, yes. Second half of the season. 
Okay, all right. Need some fighting. But again, the makeup's perfect. This is not what your father would have wanted. Our people were destined to be allies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh-oh. It's okay, I see. On That's right. Uh-huh. Are they going to have the shield up in time? Okay. All right. Okay. There you I'm, go. I'm, I'm ready to get going on that again. That's right. Lots of stuff happens. Do you think they would have aired a version of their promo at the end of this episode so that you were sitting there waiting for four months, wanting to see how that was going to resolve? Um, no, they didn't have any type of promo. We just got Korya at the end, and then the, the pan out, and then we like had to wait four months. Boy, rough. Yeah, television in the early 2000s was rough because <laughs> in, in the sci-fi world, because they would always give you a cliffhanger at the end of something, and then you'd have to wait for forever. And the internet wasn't quite as mature, I'll use that word loosely, as it is today. <laughs> And in many respects, it was very immature. Yeah, it's still immature still. Mm. Anyway, uh, but anyway, uh, suffice it to say, you know, to, to you know, the, they didn't have quite the, the social medias that, that had the same type of impact um, of all of this stuff. 2004, I, I hadn't, I wasn't even on Facebook yet. Mm, I don't know if I, Facebook. No, I, yeah, it was just getting started and neither was I, but I was on there pretty dang early. Yeah, I, I got, I don't remember exactly when I got onto Facebook. Doesn't yeah, matter. So, doesn't matter. Well, that's the I, and we'll talk about that next week, and then we'll figure out exactly what the order of things are moving forward in SG-1 and Atlantis, and, you know, this, this back and forth was really simple, and then they screwed it up. <laughs> I'm going to go back it's in right. time you're, and fix it. You're a, so there you go. You see, it all, it's, everything is solved with time travel. Oh, there you go. Time travel, nothing could go wrong with time travel. Nothing goes wrong when you introduce time travel. You introduce time travel and everything is just hunky-dory. It's, it's so spectacular. simple. It's Yep. It's easy. It solves mm -hmm. all of the world's problems. Every one of them. Every one of them. Now, it happens to create a whole new set of problems, but all the old problems, they're gone. <laughs> they're go hey, that is the definition of problem solving. Exactly. Right. I have, I have removed all of the old problems. They're gone. And substituted my own. <laughs> That <laughs> uh, and if you, dear listeners, want more of stupid banter like this, <laughs> tell your friends and listen to our podcast and, and stuff, uh, or email us at Walking Through the Start. <laughs> you gotta listen to this idiot who thinks this episode is bad. <laughs> He's not an idiot. He is... Uninformed. <laughs> I could have gone with unenlightened. Uh, that would have been yes, harsher. That's true. Yes, I, I didn't, I didn't well want to go that. That was that was that was that would have been too much. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you very much for listening to this. Uh, if you have any comments, by all means, email us or uh, talk to us on the Facebooks or the Discords or wherever. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, until next time, I'm Zach and I'm Brent, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Carter, dial it up. I'm Get these people home. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs>